Christ is risen. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. You know, we come to this resurrection day celebrating the hope that Jillian talked about earlier. We all enjoy it because of the miracle of Jesus' resurrection. The Son of God himself died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day, on this resurrection day, on what we now call Easter, he rose again. And as you can see in this video, I hope you got the beginnings of the rest of the story because Jesus' life after death was witnessed by Mary, by Peter, by John, by all the disciples, plus 500 other followers. In fact, we discover something here today that being a witness was really the first order of business from Jesus himself. Let's take a look uh, in our uh, programs, if you have them, or you have uh, one of those smartphones or mobile devices, you can open up your Bible app and follow along there. But today, we want to talk about sharing this divine nature, this resurrection nature that God so freely gives us. And we're going to discover three things today about Jesus' resurrection. The first thing we're going to find out is I am to be his witness. You are to be his witness. We read in Luke 24, 48, you are witnesses of these things. That's what Jesus said to them after he had risen. Now consider that Jesus spent another 40 days on planet earth before he ascended into heaven. The proof that we have of his resurrection rested on those who witnessed his post-resurrection life. Understand that these are the same men and women who on the night of Jesus' trial and the day of his crucifixion, they all scattered. They all ran. They were all scared. And yet, these are the same men and women who found the courage to change the world after Jesus was resurrected. Something happened to them, and that something was his resurrection. For us today, we should realize that Jesus' resurrection, this Easter, this resurrection day that we celebrate, is the beginning of the story and not the end, not the climax. If we were reading a novel about our Christian lives, Jesus' resurrection would not be the conclusion. It would simply be the prelude. Can you imagine that? You'd be reading a book, and you'd get to the resurrection right away because it's what happens to you afterwards and what you do with it afterwards that makes the story. Jesus' resurrection is that change that changes everything. Jesus introduces a, a, a concept that we still follow 2,000 years later. His instructions to his followers 2,000 years ago is the same instructions that he has for us today, and that is, you are to be his witnesses. I am to be his witness. There still are instructions. We are to be the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Now, you might say, how in the world do we do this? I mean, it would be one thing for someone who was alive then to see Jesus walking around. We still think that's a big deal, by the way, right? I mean, one of the top shows on AMC today is Dead Men Walking, right? So, you know, it hasn't changed. 2,000 years ago, it was still a big deal, still a big deal for us today. And you might say, well, if I saw that, it might make a bigger impression on me. But 
We learn then, and we see today, that it wasn't an advantage, that you can see the same Jesus that they did. They could testify about the man once dead and now walking, but that was never the biggest deal, just that they saw it. It was what happened inside of them, and it was a change that happened. And the same is true for you. In fact, that leads us to our second point about Christ's resurrection today. And that is that his resurrection is the beginning of the God life. It's the beginning of the God life for you and for me. The witness that mattered to the world and what changed the world was what happened in the lives of these men and women afterward. The religious leaders who a week or two later heard Peter preach and the others preach with such power, such persuasion, they ask themselves, well, what kind of man is this who's preaching? Wasn't he a fisherman? Don't we know this guy is a guy who, you know, was so uh, willy-nilly before, and now <laughs> what's he doing? He's out here, and he is preaching with such power and such conviction. They were living a different life now. They were living the God life. Jesus was very clear in his instructions. I'd like to show you several places. They were to wait for what Jesus called the helper, the promise, the Holy Spirit to come to them. Here's what Jesus gave them as instructions the night before his crucifixion. So you can see this is consistent both before and after his death. We read in John 16, verse 7, Jesus says, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then, after his resurrection, in Luke 24, 49, in the passage that Julian read for us tonight, Jesus says this, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. He's talking about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit in their lives. God literally infused into their life. We read it again. Um, in multiple places. We're going to get to that. He says, do not leave, in Acts chapter uh, 1, verses 4 and 5. We'll, see, we'll take a look at it now. Do not leave Jerusalem, he says, but wait for the gift my father promised. In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see that? It's a big difference between the Christian faith and all the other religions and all the other philosophies of our culture. I'm going to stop and think about it for just a moment. Everybody here... And everybody that you know wants the good life, right? I mean, if I were to say, hey, don't you want the good life? And you would all think something in your head about what the good life is. But everybody wants to improve their relationships. Everybody wants to improve their situation. Everybody wants to be able to live their lives out to the fullest. I'm here to tell you tonight, and the good news of the resurrection is that the Christian faith makes that possible. More possible for you than for anyone else. Everyone wants the good life, but because of the resurrection, Christ's resurrection gives you the beginning of this good life that we're talking about. Because of Jesus, his resurrection, you can also live this good life. But in order to live the good life, <laughs> you must have the God life. <laughs> you see, in order to have the good life, the God life is a prerequisite. God created you for himself. God created you so that he might live in and through you. And this is literally what we call the divine nature, God himself, alive and well, inside 
and living through every authentic Christ follower. That's what we're going to be talking about, by the way, over the course of the next seven weeks. Inside of your program, I would like you to take a look at it if you all picked one up. You'll find two of these sheets called the God Life. Most folks want to live the good life over the next seven weeks at Church Requill. We're going to live how to do so. To live the good life, live the God life. Do you see that? Now, I gave each of you in your programs two of these. One of them is for you. I want you to put it up on your refrigerator or on the mirror, wherever you happen to see it every single day, so that you can remember what's coming up the next week. But I gave you two, and the reason I gave you two is because I want you to give one away. I want you to invite somebody to come back with you and say, hey, we're just starting this really cool series called The God Life, and you want to check it out. You want to come back with me. And some of you, I know, are just like to do everything really, really well. For you, I put extras on the tables out there. So if you like to talk to folks and maybe put it out in different places, take all that you want. But that's what we're going to look at. Let's take a look at some of these titles. Living the Good Life. Uh, part three, learning to be my own boss. Some of you struggle with self-discipline, right? And God doesn't want you to do that. Or part four, keeping my eye on the ball. Or part five, love is more than a feeling. Or part six, what if I produce more like me? Have you ever thought about that? What if the, what if the young man or woman that I'm raising up as my son or daughter turns out to be the same kind of Christian I am? Or what if the person that I'm influencing were to be like me? Or finally, at the end, holding on to the eternal ticket. Now, let's be really clear about this sermon series. This is not going to be some self-improvement course. We are going to be talking about change and changed Christian lives that's only possible because of the divine nature that lives in and through us. Without God's Spirit, Without this God life that I'm talking about, we would not have the power to change. We wouldn't have the power to live out that promise. In fact, that leads us to our final point tonight. We're really moving right along here on this Easter. And that third point about Christianity, about Christ's resurrection in us today, is that it provides us the power of the promise. It provides us not just the promise, but the power of the promise. This is the significance of Easter for you and for me today. This is what makes it real. This is what makes it personal. We can talk about the Christian faith in theory, and some of you have done that. In fact, all of us at one time or another, thinking about Christianity, have kind of thought about what Christianity is and had our own mindset about what it is. But this power of the promise that I'm talking about to you tonight, this is what makes it real. This is what makes it personal. It takes away the theory. We can say that we believe that Christ rose again, but that theory, that belief by itself does not change us. It will not change you. It won't change me. That theory, that belief doesn't make the difference in our lives that makes everybody else around us stand up and notice. And that's what we want to talk about. Consider this. If it were possible for us to change, for us to enjoy this divine nature that I'm talking about to you tonight, for us to live this God life without Jesus' death, without Jesus' resurrection, then that's what would have happened. But that wasn't God's plan. And who are we to consider his plans one way or the other? What was it that happened to Jesus' followers 2,000 years ago as a result of his resurrection? that made them such 
powerful witnesses that we now divide all of history by A.D. There's everything that happened before Christ and everything that happened after his death. What was that change? We read about it in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, it's this divine nature of God, this Holy Spirit infused into their lives that gave them the power to live out the teachings of Jesus. These weren't just people talking about God they were changed. <laughs> they were no longer just people. They were God plus people. They were God infused people. These were people whose very nature had taken on the divine talking to other people. <laughs> and other people noticed. They had the power of change to live out what they talked about. It changed them and it will change us too. No one was more changed, no one was more empowered than Peter. Notice what Peter writes to us in this passage that Jillian read to us tonight. Now, this passage, you need to know, from 2 Peter, comes near the end of Peter's life. He was about to be martyred. He was about to be killed. Peter had lived out this Christian life and knew that his days were numbered. And here's what he wrote to his church. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become what partakers of the divine nature. Do you see that? Everything about these verses shout out to us about the kind of good life that the God life provides. Do you see it? Peter here is writing about all things that pertain to life and godliness. All the good things in life, right? He's writing here about being able to live out God's glory and excellence. <laughs> Imagine how great you could be if God did it through you about being able to live out God's glory and excellence. In fact, how God has already granted his very precious and very great promises. And how is it that we are told that God keeps these promises? We see it at the beginning of that verse, and we see it at the end. His divine power. God doesn't want you to live weak lives. He doesn't want you to live lives that are, oh, I want to lead a good life, or I want to live a Christian life, or I want to follow Jesus' teaching, but I'm just not able to do it. That's not what he has in mind for you. He says his divine power to live out the good life, so powerful that witnesses, other people who see you and know you, will know that you have changed, that you indeed are becoming partakers of the divine nature. That's what we want for you tonight. And I tell you, uh, from here, looking at you, if this were to happen in your lives, and for some of you, I know it already has, it's already begun, it will change you so much, people will show up from miles around to be able to find out what it is that's different, what's unique about you. This is not written just by Peter, who was so, who was so fearful, remember? <laughs> On the night of Jesus' death, so fearful that he denied even knowing Jesus. 
This is written by the Peter decades later as he faces his own death. This is written by the Peter who had not only heard Jesus' teaching, but who also lived out his teaching with the power of the divine nature living inside him. This is what we're going to do over the next seven weeks. We're going to talk about how this can happen in your life, how you can be changed, how you can accomplish the things that you've always wanted to accomplish, that God wants to accomplish in and through you. And you're going to be surprised by how much it's going to help you, I think. This is where we're going to be going. Over the course of these next seven weeks, every week, we're going to take a look at some verses from Second Peter, first chapter. And then we're going to tie it back to one of Jesus' teachings. This is going to be so great because we're not only going to see what Jesus taught, but we're going to see how Peter lived it out. We're not only going to see what Jesus taught Peter at the beginning of Peter's ministry, we're going to see an experienced Peter later on coming back and say, hey, now looking back at it, here's how it worked for me. <laughs> we're going to discover the good life that's made possible only by the God life. Let me tell you why this is so important, why it matters. This just happened to me this morning. I was having breakfast at uh, Paul Revere's, where I often eat breakfast just about every morning. Uh, all the good ladies down there, the waitresses, in fact, even the owner knows me by name. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like cheers, you know, when Norm walks in. They all go, hey, Norm. And I'm trying really hard to get rid of some of the significance of that. But Earl came over to me this morning, and, and he said, hey, in fact, he, he and some of the other gals were talking, and they were making fun of Mark. And Mark's eye, ears were burning. I looked back and said, hey, what are you guys talking about? I said, well, some of those snotty Christians that probably are members of your church just walked in our place and just gave us all a hard time. And he wasn't kidding. Well, he was kidding a little bit about being members of my church. But, but the truth of the matter was, was that a lady came in and just gave Earl a hard time, a hard way to go. I know where the back room is. You don't have to show me. And in fact, Earl said to me, you know, it would have been better if they simply had identified themselves as the Steelworkers Union of America. But, you know, to identify themselves as uh, members of a church, it was kind of, well, you know. So it matters how you live out your life when you think nobody is watching or nobody that you know, <laughs> they're watching you. And they're seeing whether or not this Christian life is real or not. If we don't know about and participate in this God life that I'm talking about, we can actually do damage to our faith. We can literally become anti-witnesses. <laughs> we can be working against the kingdom. This is Resurrection Day today, not just for us, but for everybody we come into contact with, whether they know Jesus or not, whether they're part of our church or not. This is Resurrection Day for all of the world. And Jesus' resurrection is not the end of the story. It is just the beginning of the story for you and for everybody that you meet.